Hi, I'm Stage and Stage's Lin-Manuel Miranda, and you're listening to The Hamilcast. Boots and cuts and boots and cuts. <laughs> <laughs> There's these guys outside in U-Hauls, yes. and they are refusing to circle the block. Mm-hmm. Is, is it's that amazing. Did you see yeah. them when you came in? No, I was not paying attention to it so much. <laughs> well, I just heard the beeping, though. Is that who that is? Yes. Yeah. It's been going on for quite some time. There are oh, two no. U-Hauls, and one of them is dangerously close to the cars so that the other cars can dr- can go past it. Yeah. And there's another one that just won't get there, so he's kind of in the middle in the middle of the street. Oh, <laughs> shut up! <laughs> Shut up! Drama. Whoa. Yeah. So there you go. A little, wow. like, a little uh, audio warning or whatever. I haven't done that in a long time. Is there a fight? Huh? I'm not happy about that. Somebody just, just yelled back. Different than the Somebody shut up person. Just I know back. that much. People were getting out of their cars before knocking on the windows. Like you have to do something. You, you gotta have move. To move. Yeah. You can't just sit in the street. Yeah, watch a movie. I'll, I'll circle. Well, I'll, wait. I'll circle until you guys are ready. I'm like, if they're if they're moving it. the stuff down like right now, like great. But I haven't seen not, a single person move anything into I mean. either of those trucks. <laughs> they're not moving anything. They're just standing there making it. That's so weird. Um, anyway, hi, everybody. Hey. Welcome to the Hamilcast. I am Jillian. I'm here with Mike. Hey, guys. And our friend Kyle Scatlin. Hello. Hey, you guys might remember or should remember or probably remember Kyle from the big party we had in Vegas, Las Vegas with the Philip Company. Mm-hmm. And you just came off a, a run on Broadway playing Lafayette Jefferson, the same character you played in the Vegas yep, yep, yep. show or the Philip tour. Um, so thanks for coming to hang. You get your own solo app. <laughs> There's like fruit punch and iced tea and uh, regular hot tea and water. We're just hanging out. Kyle's double fisting green Hell tea yeah. and fruit punch. There you oh, go. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Delicious. It's weird. I'm switching between them and it's the oddest taste, but I love it actually. Right. <laughs> and the temperatures, the, <laughs> the freezing yeah, cold fruit punch. Tem- I just, I don't know. I want to, Fruit punch is delicious for me. Yeah, and then, it is and then delicious. I just really, I do tea like all the time. Yeah. So it's nice. like a, just a thing. Oh, I just heard them. He turned his car on. I think. Ooh. Did I hear yes just moved? Something like that. Ooh. Something like that. Oh, yeah. The, somebody's directing someone else. Ooh. Can't yell that. The guy. <laughs> Can't yell One that. of the U-Haul drivers is just telling people, just drive past. Just go past. He's trying to direct traffic. <laughs> I just love it. It's hysterical. <laughs> I'm so bad Kyle's here to witness all this. Oh, this is so funny. And all of you listeners. Yes. yes. We also found out just moments ago that Kyle is both a South Park and an Eminem fan, both yeah. of which sort of came on the scene in 98. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is good because the first time I met you in Vegas, I instinctively wanted to go, fuck you, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand that sentiment. Did you, did you get that a lot? Uh, I got song. a lot of uh, uh, the song, Cause Mom's a Big Fat Bitch. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I know She's all the you all the boys and, and girls. My favorite version is the movie version. That one is ridiculous. When he goes around the world, all the kids are around the world and my son lives something like this and it goes to like China and in Africa. It's hysterical. That's one of my favorite ones. But yeah, you know what's so funny is that the song didn't really bother me that much. It was just kind of funny to me. I was like, I know my name is Kyle, but I'm not the Kyle in the show. And I was, mm-hmm. but it just always made me laugh. It's yeah. a good song. It's a so- it makes you smile, that song. Yeah, yeah it's very funny. <laughs> That's also the definition of having a sense of humor, Kyle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're just You're like, like oh, you know, so, I mean, some are. people might get mad about it. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, so I have so many questions. The Patreon peeps have so many questions. Yes. We're all very excited that you're here. Mm. And just also a PSA, if you've been in one of those big group recordings, Chicago, Vegas, whatever, just you can have your own solo app. 
Time no. to go solo. Time to Beyonce. Time to go solo. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You fall down the steps. I walk over you, Beyonce style. I don't even look back. That's <laughs> like that is the coldest thing she's ever done. Yeah. It's I mean, still one of the funniest things I've ever oh seen my in my goodness. life. I mean, she unbelievable. Said, Get it together. Get Step it over. <laughs> It's true. Oh. Is that the, the Hamilcast equivalent to being Beyonce? Just yeah, yeah, out for yeah, Beyonce. You too can be Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you too can be Beyonce. This, do we have to like... This is amazing. Do we have to turn the Johnny Cash back on and just like hang for a we, little before they get their shit? Speaking of getting your shit together, wow. I will walk over that. We need to record this for the for the deposition that yeah, it's inevitably going to follow. Inevitably, uh, yeah, Go ahead. I haven't even seen them. Oh, I see. See? <laughs> What? They're literally in the street. They're lucky we live across from a fire station, not a police station. It's not yeah. even like they're parked or anything. The He's literally for in mics. the middle of the street right? sitting there. I don't lie to my listeners. What is anybody. he trying to do? Is he still directing traffic? No, he's he can't. There's cars can't. There's a there's a giant a uh, truck behind him. There's a mail. There's a mail truck behind him. So he's got a move. He's moving the U-Haul. It's seven thirty. Yeah, I don't know why there's a mail truck behind him. That's odd. But he's <gasps> ooh, somebody just he, got hit. No, no, he just drove over uh, plastic. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I thought he a... broke someone's like side view mirror, we, but know, he didn't. <laughs> we've we've heard that. Like... That's happened before, so oh, really? I would not be surprised oh, if that's yikes. a thing. That's hysterical. Yeah. After three and a half years of like, well, I, I kind of stopped apologizing for the outside sounds, but after three, you guys really, <laughs> I mean, it's real living in New York City. Shit yeah. happens outside your window I just moved out of New day. York City. Where'd, where'd you move to? Uh, West New York, New Jersey. Which is where you're from, right? I'm from New Jersey, yeah, yeah. Where in New Jersey? Uh, from Westwood. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, 25 minutes over the bridge when there's no traffic. It's Great. In Bergen County. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. All the listeners are asking, so exactly how far from Weehawken? Oh, my God. How far from Weehawken? <laughs> well, 30 minutes. It's 30 minutes from Weehawken. Cool. Oh, you mean, you mean like where West New York? How far from Weehawken is West New York or Westwood? How about both? Let's do okay, both. So Westwood is 30 minutes from Weehawken okay. and I'm like 10 minutes from yeah. Weehawken. Yeah, you're close. Yeah, yeah, I'm close. I'm close, yeah. Cool. Yeah, just take the bus. In. Great. Quick and easy. It'd be so cool if you got up early and just and just got on a row in a rowboat and just rowed yeah. across. Here, like, just <laughs> oh my one god! Time. Rode him back you know, across the Hudson. You know what's nuts though is that the uh, uh, what is that? The, what's that boat on the river called when it goes across the, the ferry? The ferry. Yeah. The ferry. The ferry is actually the most expensive way to come into New York City. Not huh. from Staten Island because it's free. Yeah. But we're talking or from about Staten Jersey. Island. It's yeah. free. Yeah. From from Jersey, it's it's the monthly. I think it's like two hundred and forty two dollars. What? Wow. Yeah, I was surprised when I saw that. I was like, is it bus. a long ferry ride? No, it's that's why it's probably, the ferry's like eight minutes long. Oh I think that's God. why. I think that's why because it's the easiest way to get in. Right. Mm. Yeah, and I was like, oh wow, it's like the bus is one hundred and seven. The ferry's. 240. <laughs> yeah, so you're like, hmm, there's like, not going to wow. be any traffic on the water. Yep, not so. I was like, so there's no traffic on the water, but you made it expensive on purpose. <laughs> yeah. LA Double R is getting close to that. They're raising again. Really? Like, so is the Are they going up again? Faster oh. than inflation. Wow. And it's not close. MTA, too, because we have no choice, except you. You haven't taken the train voluntarily in about, what, six, <laughs> six or seven years? And I'm not kidding. I try I try to just walk everywhere. When did you start oh, yeah? walking? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, like a while, like at least. About seven years ago, something probably. Something like that, yeah. I mean, really? in every That's weather, amazing. every distance where it's like, oh, Mike, we're going to go to Harlem and then down to Wall Street. Mike's like, so we're walking up there and then down there. Like you will just you're so used to it now. You you actually walk everywhere. That's pretty good. It puts me in more control. I'm like, if I'm late, I can just walk faster. That's true. <laughs> if, and I think if I'm on a platform and I don't know when the train's getting there, I'm, I have no control. Mm -hmm. So that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing that's insane about it, because it's like you get stuck on the ground. And you're screwed. Yep. Can't get anywhere. Yeah. It's the worst. Um, <laughs> it's horrible. Thanks, New York. Yeah. Thanks. Love you. That's why you're like, Thanks. you're like, that's why I'm a Jersey resident. That's why now. I move. <laughs> I have a place to park my car. We have a garage. Jerry. I mean, <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Did you drive here? 
No, okay. no. Didn't even think about doing it. I don't know why I didn't do that. Oh. I just took the bus. Because parking is a nightmare. Yeah, that's true. Parking's a nightmare. Yeah, that's probably why. I didn't right? Do it. Like, I was like, I could just walk straight to the bus. The bus is literally right around the corner from my house. Yeah. Which is Although boom, still, boom, boom, I'm just nice. like, Hugh Schuyler's sister is the greatest city in the world. And we can complain about it. But, um, so Kyle, tell me your, your whole story. I know you, I mean, you have so much experience before Hamilton. So I just want to mm. hear about how you decided you wanted to do this for a living and, and your whole entire story from oh, the top. So weird. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, uh, as many of you may know, if you've asked me at the stage door, I am six foot five. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I used to play basketball. I was not six foot five. <laughs> I was five foot seven. So yes, I know it's weird. It's weird to think of me as five. How foot old seven. were you when you were I was, Oh man, I played from like sixth grade to ninth grade is where I stopped. That's five, seven is tall in sixth grade. Yeah, exactly. Five, uh, seven yeah. is a good height in sixth grade. But by ninth grade. By ninth grade, it sure ain't. <laughs> by ninth grade, you're, down, you're, a, you're a shooting yeah, guard or, yeah. or a point guard. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm, I'm basically, it's like point guard height. Um, and most point guards in the NBA are taller than five seven. Like most point guards now are like I would say somewhere between five nine, five ten, and six feet usually. Like Russell Westbrook is six foot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and like so, he the, I was still on the smaller side of small anyway. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what ended up happening was I kind of grew up wanting to play basketball, and it was like a dream of mine. Um, Michael Jordan's my favorite player. Hmm. He's also six foot six, which is the height I wanted to get to. <laughs> got close <laughs> uh and what when it ended up happening was i um in between sixth and eighth grade I, I there was a lot of uh uh love of playing and then all of a sudden uh i strangely enough i think this happened because i was gonna grow i i gained some weight mm. um which kind of happened randomly um and then in ninth grade, I didn't really start the year playing basketball. I kind of felt a little uh, listless, like aimless. So I was just like, I didn't know if I wanted to do it anymore. Um, and I started playing like halfway through the season. I uh, just kind of like walked on and was like, hey, can I play? And there hit a point where I just realized, I was like, no, I don't love this anymore. Yeah. I just kind of fell out of love with it. Um, and I think it had more to do with the practices. I like practices, but I don't like getting yelled at. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. You're getting yeah. constantly yelled at that by kind of coach. coaches. Yeah. I don't respond to that and either. I don't respond to that very well. Um, no. Like, I, I, it, it, it can be motivating for some, but for me, it's, it doesn't really help. I'm like, just tell Same. me what you want me to do. You don't have to yell it. You know, it's like, it's like the kind yeah. of thing where you hit a point where you're like, I don't want people yelling at me. Yep. <laughs> I agree. You know? Because yeah, we're not even at the point, like, you know, it's you're at the point where the coaches... Uh, the coach is basically in charge of everything. You get to the NBA, of course, like the players have a little more, you know, leeway with everything. If you're a LeBron James or someone of that nature, but most of the time it's like up to the coach. So it's like you, there hits a point where you, you either enjoy that or you don't. Um, and even tried my hand at playing football for two weeks. Nope. Two weeks. Yeah, I played for two weeks. Nope. What position did they? Did they? I was running back. I was actually pretty fast. Oh, I feel like you'd be a good target as for a receiver. (laughs) Well, I was still five foot seven. Oh, right. right. (laughs) I see. But but I I was a pretty fast. Go in the end zone and put your arms up. Put your arms up. Stand there. (laughs) Uh, But I was pretty fast. But I uh, still had the same same thing where I was just like it didn't feel worth it. All of the pain that came with it didn't feel worth it. Mm -hmm. Um. 
which I guess the NFL is figuring out now. They're like, oh crap, all the pain actually isn't worth it. Look, <laughs> something needs yeah. to be so like, done with so, all those head like, injuries. Like, it's that's it's what so happened. crazy yeah. and heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're trying to figure that all, all out, which <sighs> seems to, you know. After dragging like, their feet for a number of years. Yeah, after mean, dragging their yeah. feet for a good amount of time. Yeah. But now it's like, now they've been sued. So, like, okay, well, we got to figure this out. Will Smith oh, made great. a movie about it. Yep, yep, yep. Cats out of the bag. He made a movie about it? Tell the truth. Yeah. It was about Dr. Amalu, the guy that actually discovered CTE. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's so good. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie yet. I just love that, that line. It's a good <laughs> accent. <laughs> it's just so funny the way he does it. Um, but yeah, so I kind of came a little, uh, a bit listless, a little aimless. And I had a teacher in ninth grade where I was doing, I was in a theater class. Uh, I don't even remember the name of the theater class to this day. I don't even know what it was called. Um, but her name is Donna Bialkin. Uh, we call her B, or Mrs. Bialkin. And what happened was I was on stage. She gave me a script and I think it was me and my friend Umar. We were in this scene together and I do the scene and she's, she's kind of like at the end of it, she's like, huh, have you ever thought about doing this? Like actually doing this? (laughs) Wow. And I was like, nope. And she was like, why? I was like, because I think it's like, why would I be an act? Like, I don't mm-hmm. understand it. Like, it was one of those things where, like, you know, I understood what actors were. I watched TV. I watched Will Smith a lot on TV, like Fresh Prince and Family Matters. Sure. You watch all that kind of stuff. You watch movies. And you don't really, um, not everyone, but some people, you know, see themselves doing that and being able to do it. I, I felt so far removed from it that I was like, I can't do that. Like, you know, it's like you, it's, you see it and it seems kind of a fantastical idea. Like, you know, you see movies and you're like, why? Like it, you feel a bit, um, I felt separated from it. Like something yeah. that was not achievable. And you're a kid. So you're, it's just like, it's just an activity that you're doing. Yeah. It's just yeah. like an activity. So I was just like in classes doing it. And she's like, I think you should do this. And I was like, okay, let me think about it. I thought about it the whole year. I didn't. I didn't even make the decision until the end of the year. Um, and they hit a point basically at the end of the year where I just kind of went, you know what? Okay, I'll do it. And she was like, you sure? And I was like, yes, I'll do it. And it, it, strangely enough, all of this is also coupled in with heartbreak as it normally happens with everybody else sure. in their lives. Something heartbreaking will change their minds. So like I, I, there was a girl I had a crush on for like four years. And then when that kind of fell apart and I realized that it was, um, you know, when you, you like someone so much that you kind of don't even really um, process the fact that they might not like you. You're not really sure. You've never really asked. And you're like eight, eighth grade. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're not really like, you're just, oh, I really like them. And then you're like kind of anxious about it, but you don't really like try. Um, so there hits a point where like your friends start looking at you like, are you ever going to try? And you're like, I think I'm good where I am. I don't want to know the answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then your yeah. friend asks the answer for you. And then you find out the answer is not something you wanted. Uh, so that's kind of what happened. Right. Um, so, uh, and I will say that in, when I think about it, I'm like, I probably had a bit of an overreaction to it because I literally from that day on, I stopped playing basketball <laughs> and then, and then I, then I was like trying to figure out what I wanted to do from that moment on and everything changed. Wow. So it's like, you know, like everyone has like overreactions to heartbreak in their lives. And that was my overreaction. I overreacted and I just, everything kind of stopped like everything. Cause everything already seemed like it was pointing at, please stop doing this. And then all of a sudden that was like the hammer huh. where it was just like, boom. It's like none of this, none of what you think is supposed to be is what it is. And I was just like, okay, well, what do I do now? <laughs> so basically what happened, and this was so crazy. Um, I 
ninth grade, my electives were probably what was like I had French class, I had uh, theater. Um, I think I might have had a an uh, an art class, wood shopish. Um, literally the next year, I was like, okay, now I'm in uh, choir, select choir. Uh, like, like I was doing stuff with the band. Like I immediately, like went, I went head first into it, like wow. fully, straight, straight deep into it. I changed all of my electives. I was immediately doing uh, plays. Um, the first play I did. And the only time I've ever done this play is a play called "To See the Stars." Have you ever heard of that play? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think anyone has. No, <laughs> it, it was the first. It was the first play of a uh, of the year. It was about uh, a shirtwaist sisters factory where they the triangle shirtwaist factory. Yeah, it was yeah. about the factory and like you know. And I played like the the guy who was supposed to be like the muscle to stop them from from uh, protesting wow. uh, in the play. Uh, and that was my first play. My first musical was "Crazy for You." <gasps> I played one of the uh, three like uh, it was a Mingo and. Yes. Yeah, I played one of those guys. That um, was the first show I ever saw on Broadway. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could see like a a fully professional production of it because I still I've never seen anything past our own <laughs> our yeah. own high school production. Oh, it's so, so fun though. It's like yeah, it's, it's a great show. The most Gersh. Oh God, it's so. And they good. just re- I love they just it. did it, right? Didn't uh, Susan Stroman just do it recently? A couple recently, like, like couple maybe years a little, ago? a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. like she did like at a City not Center. on Broadway, but she did yeah. like a curtains. Yeah, is that what it's called when they do the re- they do like oh stage readings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was yeah. what I did in there. I there missed some, it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see it either. I wish I did. My uncle knew. My uncle's a jazz musician, and he knew. It's happening again, isn't it's it? It's happening again. He's gone around the corner and he stopped moving. Yep. What? This idiot. is crazy. Like this, this is the idiot. worst it's ever been during a recording. <laughs> this man is actually an idiot. Yeah. It's so dumb. Why would you just park it in the street? Just circle. It's the worst. Or better yet, moving's expensive. Hire a mover. Hire yeah. some movers. Don't, ju- don't try to save a couple bucks if you don't know how to drive a U-Haul. Exactly. Like this is something like someone's gonna. There's gonna be a fight in the oh, street. There's just, definitely gonna be a fight. Just write a check. And we'll yeah. just stick the microphones out the window. So they can <laughs> oh wait, I hear a car turn on. He's moving again. I, mean, I think so. Why does he keep getting out of the car? I don't know. I don't understand. Can't um, just leave a car in the street. Uh, I mean, how odd. It's the strangest thing. It's the worst it's ever been on a recording, but it's like not even close to the worst it's ever been just in our lives. In yeah. Our, almost 10 years here. I mean, they, I mean, living across from a schoolyard is super bad because the kids are screaming oh, yeah, all day screaming long. All yeah. Um, but my uncle's a jazz musician and he knew um, some of the musicians in the show. So I got to be like oh. bright eyed and bushy tailed on the stage after. It was the coolest thing oh, in the cool. world. That is um, so cool. So yeah, I love Crazy For You. But anyway, so... Oh, I have a question for you though. Yeah. When you were saying like you felt so removed from it yeah and then it took you that year to say yeah okay i think i'll do it was it were you feeling pangs of like i kind of want to do it but i don't think i can that's what it was it, it was but you wanted it was, you wanted to yeah it was one of those things where no one had ever presented the idea sure um like in seventh and eighth grade it was mo- it was actually eighth grade i um i actually did like lights on the school play when they did a musical i don't even know what show it was i don't remember i just did lights backstage Mm -hmm. so like i was slowly going towards doing it it was like a weird thing where like you could feel something pulling you but then when she brought up like actually acting on stage like my first thought was was like what like i was i was also like more on the quiet side than i am and like you know i'm a bit boisterous now at times but like i'm an introvert so like to me i was like why do you want me to do this right. it's weird yeah yeah this is weird like to me i was like this is strange you want me to stand on the stage and talk like i don't it's like the last thing but it was funny <laughs> it was funny because the more i did it the more i realized it was like 
I felt more free on a stage than I had actually felt off a stage. And that's the thing, right? And that's the thing. Yeah. That's kind of what kind of grabs you at first. And you, um, it's like, even though I walked around in life kind of like introverted and, and a little silent here, a little silent there, but like I, I, you know, it was one of those things where going on a stage, I all of a sudden would just like, it didn't matter. I was just very present and mm. very excited about what I was doing and very, it was very enjoyable. Like really enjoyable. That's um, really amazing that that teacher she saw yeah, she that knew. in you just um, instantly. Yeah, just. I don't know what I, to this day because I see her. I see her every once in a while. Um, and I went back to the school and I talked to some students uh, in her class and stuff. And and every time I see her, we take pictures and it's like Aww. really fun. It's beautiful. But it's like one of those things where I'm like I'm still not quite certain what she saw i don't know i don't know i don't know if it was because i was normally quiet in class and then all of a sudden she gave me a piece of paper and it was like my personality came out and she was just like where the hell did that come from i don't don't know if that's what it was um it was and it was weird because it was a scene about like a kid sneaking out and a dad like stopping him Mm -hmm. i don't even know if it was on paper or if it was improv i'm not really sure but she but she she got it she understood what it she just got it when she saw me she was like you're good and I was this. like, okay. Is it give you say so? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you you were enjoying it. It's not like, you know. Yeah. It was a kind of an odd thing because it, I took the class because I needed an elective, but I didn't take the class going into it going like, oh, I'm going to act. Like, mm-hmm. I was just like, I just took the class because I thought theater was interesting. And I thought like TV was interesting and things like that. But I never, it never occurred to me, oh, you can do this. Like that, that thought never crossed my path arm across my mind until she said that and i just kind of like kind of threw me off for a moment like it was kind of it threw me threw me off mostly because at that point in life i didn't really have the confidence to be like yes Uh i can do this i can do that i can do this like you know it was just one of those things where like i was an anxious kid so i was just i didn't really uh put two and two together that that uh like you know the universe is calling you to a certain Mm -hmm. direction right now i listen to that more but it's just like one of those things where uh, you, you, if you don't have the confidence to listen to it, you won't hear it. Totally. So you just don't hear it. Yeah. And it, like even if it's like just right in your face, it's like la la la. Totally. <laughs> like, Sometimes yeah. that's when you, I don't know, whatever you're going through or whatever you think your journey's supposed to look like, mm-hmm. the louder it gets, the more you plug your ears and you don't yeah. listen to it. You look away, you know, it's just. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, it was kind of what happened. It was like, I was trying to look away from it. Mm. And then I kept trying to go towards basketball. And then I found, I didn't find happiness. And then I found uh, uh, a lot of sadness in it. And then, you know, and then with the the situation with the girl I had a crush on, I found sadness in that. And then I just kept finding sadness at every turn, basically. And it, it even kind of happened with my friend group too because my friend group like they were all people who played basketball and they were in sports and you know like and it would just kind of hit a point where i was just like i'm not finding happiness in all of this Hmm. like there was something it was one of those moments where you like fundamentally start to realize you are different than your friends and your like you know it's like it was a it was a very large moment of like realizing the differences that uh, that were there instead of me trying to fit into them because i was it's funny because I was more of a quiet kid when I did those things and I went into theater and I wouldn't shut up. Right. <laughs> so yeah. like immediately it was just like, boom, everything came flying out of me. And, and at it, that age too, like the, your friend group and switching that and yeah. trying something new at that age. I mean, it's weird. being that age when everything them. is just like smooth sailing is terrifying yeah. enough. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's just a hard 
place to be totally yeah and it, and it was you know it's weird because it was it was strange for them too because i literally stopped everything <laughs> one year and next year started a multitude of other things that were all had to do with the arts and i grew from five seven to six one so, like, so why like, is he not still on the team exactly, that's what Wait, started like, happening like now you leave <laughs> that's yeah. what started now happening like as i left i started growing and they were like wait 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 and i was like you know guys i'm i'm done i'm we done work this out yeah <laughs> exactly no, 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 like yeah like i think by the time i finished high school i was six two or six three and i grew all the way to 21 i grew to six five and it was just one of those things where like they it was funny to see it because it would be like 11th grade and they'd be like are you sure you don't want to come play basketball now and i'm like i'm sure (laughs) it's like i don't want to play it's like i'm good it's like i i and i took that as a sign too i was like i grew after i stopped i'll take it as a sign yeah like you know it's like maybe the height's supposed to help me out in this and actually it did um that's so great that you were at that point just because of everything that had happened i think you were just listening more but mm. i think it's the easy way is just like well if i grew i guess i should make maybe i should go and I, so i'll be unhappy but like i'll be good at it and yeah. it's safe and easy you know i think it, that's an easy way to look at it too yeah I, i've always been the kind of person that once i make a decision to do or not do something i always stick with it yeah. really hard Same. in a very stubborn manner mm-hmm. <laughs> so because i decided not to do it i was just not gonna do it right. like i just knew that i wasn't happy um and the happiness was more important to, that's a big point in my life where i realized that happiness was more important than whatever was gonna come with the basketball because i was like i'm six five say i actually make it to college play mm-hmm. and, and like i thought it was good but i also didn't think i was like go to college go to nba good like they're hit a point where you have to like kind of be okay with the fact that you're not you know mm-hmm. and but say all of those things happen i just have a shit ton of money and then i'm still unhappy right, because, <laughs> like, because then what like then what exactly so then then for me i'm like yeah eh, or you do it for me you retire or you get hurt and can't play and then like your options are what i'm like yay right you got to make it to the NBA at least one year to get your money. So right. and sure that can good happen. Luck. Yeah, that could happen with anybody. Yeah, it anything. Can. But like, if you just go to the thing, that's the happiest. Yeah, just you know? go to what makes you happy. And at I think I feel like a lot of people get in their lives get pushed towards things that either other people want from them, they thought they wanted, or even I think what happens. I think I've seen this happen to a lot of people. It's where they um, don't take a moment to think about what they actually want to do, so they go to college. And then they get a degree that they don't use. And then they don't use it. And I, a lot of people, I had worked at the Starbucks and a lot of people I'd worked at, at that Starbucks had that happen with them. And I was yeah. just like, oh man. And I was like, wait, so you guys tell me you all went to four-year schools, got your degrees, and then you said, I don't want to use it. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, jeez. And I was just like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> I was yeah. just like, it was like the first thing that went through my head. I was like, wow, that's hard. There's so that's much really pressure. Hard. It's a lot of pressure. And then, you know. Because people tell you to go immediately. At 18. Yeah. You can't pay me to be 18 again. Yeah. And then by what? I think before junior year, you like have to decide your major. Yeah. Like junior year. 20 years old. <laughs> like, could you imagine like go, when? Because when I think about myself now, I'm like, I'm 33 now. When I think about it, I'm like at 16 years old. Did I actually know what I wanted to do? I still didn't know either. Mm-hmm. Like I was just doing it. Like I was right, just right. doing the acting thing. Like I w- it wasn't even a like I'm going to do this forever. It was just something I was enjoying. I didn't hit I'm going to do this forever until I get 12th grade and then I was like, yes. Right. So and and it was it was because I saw some it was I saw an example of something that made me go, 
oh, this is just this is more than just acting. So um, I I was in the show Guys and Dolls. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It was still one of my favorite shows. Still a show I hope to do again. <laughs> um, Who'd you play? Nicely, nicely. <gasps> and I talk like this the whole time. <laughs> nicely, nicely, thank you. That was my voice. It was so weird. That at some point, I was having so much fun doing that show. At some point... I think I think this is in the script where he's walking around with a sandwich and he's eating the food while while one of the other guys is trying to talk to him like, "Hey man, did you get this done?" And he's like, "No, nah, I didn't do anything." And he's just like eating this food, <laughs> and it was so funny to me. And then like he, he he took the sandwich and smashed it into my face, and like the sandwich dropped on the floor. And like to this day, it's my favorite thing I've ever improved in my life. Literally, it's not even a line in the show. I just looked at it and said, "My sandwich." <laughs> And that's all that said. And like the audience laughed and I was like, what? I was like, why did I even just say that? But it was like one of those things I was like, oh, this is so fun. But what happened was that my dad came to the show and he he's not, my parents are not in theater at all. They don't mm-hmm. know. They're from the uh, Virgin Islands, from the British Virgin Islands. They're, I'm a first generation American. So it's like, for them, it's not something that's ever been a part of their lives. Right. So... They both come to the show. My dad sees it. And my dad liked it so much, he was crying afterwards. And he was so proud. And it was just kind of a weird thing where, like, I saw him. I saw him crying. It was the first time I'd seen him crying. And I was just kind of like, huh. Like, it was like a weird, like, kind of like light bulb went off. And I was like, whoa, why are you crying? Like, it was like, I'd never seen it. So because I'd never seen it before, I was just kind of, like, confused. And I was like, okay, you're proud. But why are you crying? <laughs> like, right. like, you know, it was just kind of yeah. a, you don't see your parent do something for a long time. So it's like you're analyzing. I start analyzing it as soon as I see it. And that's when I started to realize. I was like, oh, I'm not just an actor. I'm an actor. I'm technically a psychologist to an extent. I'm like, I, I, it's like all of these things are incorporated. And you can see, you can change people with the art. And you can see changes in people with the art. And that's something I noticed in that moment right and in that and in that moment i went oh i'm not just being one thing i'm being many things because i'm going to learn about many things many many things because each part is different each person's different and each one of those parts can have an effect on people right and i was just like oh that's fucking fun yeah. <laughs> and i was like i like that what did you say about the psychologist thing i feel like and this is such a weird thing because i i feel like people some people do look at us in this way but, and I don't think it's even consciously they're looking at it this way. Subconsciously, sometimes I think they do. Like, that I think that we have a, a responsibility that we know that we can change people's minds. Mm-hmm. And the changing of people's minds has to do with basically them coming to see a show and us pouring our hearts out for them and them seeing something that is different than what they thought in life and then that changes them. So in my head, I think of that as psychology to an extent. So actors. Yeah. When you say we, actors. Yes. Right, got it. Yeah. Not to mention the, the preparation of getting inside a character. Yes, the preparation of getting in a so character. That, that takes a lot of psychology. I mean, uh, that's it's one of my favorite facts of life that Natalie Portman is a doctor in psychology. Yeah. From Harvard. Yeah, from yeah, Harvard. From Harvard. And like when she's not acting, she's giving like, you know, commence, like speeches lectures, on psychology. Yeah. Yeah, lectures mm-hmm. on psychology. Yeah. Um, but it's... Uh, it's one of those things where, like, to me, I've always, I've looked at it like that since 12th grade. Um, and funnily enough to me, all of the things I keep working on are things that do that. Um, and that's not even on purpose. I think I just, I, I gravitate towards those things. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Les Mis has changed a lot of people's lives. Hamilton has changed a lot of people's lives. Um, Color Purple was like the first time I saw that on a major scale right. on Broadway. Like I'd never seen anything like that in a theater right from from the stage to the audience and i was like this is nuts right <laughs> yeah. yeah so let's talk about all those things yeah. because so you then all through high school you were like yes i'm going in this direction and yeah. then you went to amda yeah right after i did 3 years of community college i totally stalked you on the ah! internet today. <laughs> that's why i can say it with confidence but yes. that fake like you went to amda right i sure wink, did wink wink mm-hmm. yeah i did i did uh, 3 years of bergen community college mm-hmm. i did not finish the degree all the way what did you um, say were you studying theater i was, I was studying theater yeah. so you know what ended up happening was that i basically um and this also happened in high school to an extent where I... Still happening, you yeah, guys. Still, still happening. happening. Amazing. You guys, were, having, we're trying to have moments here. You're trying to have moments. <laughs> um, so basically what happened was um, I am one of those people that believes in the whole you should study what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Sure. You shouldn't have to study all of these other things around what you want to do if they don't pertain to what you do. Oh, so like <laughs> having to take math, like all like, of those things. You know, like the basic, what are they? The core curriculum or whatever yes. they call it. Yeah. Yes. Now, I, like, now it's officially a fire truck is in the line of back. Really? To the is that a fire truck? And, that, ooh, and ooh, that's and a, a cop. Yeah. That's a police officer. Whoop, whoop. Ooh, sir! Somebody called the cops on you. They're still directing traffic. The cops got called on you. Ooh-ooh. And I heard a lower a lower horn that is probably just from a fire that sounds truck. Like a fire right truck. Well, the cop is coming from behind. See the flashing lights? Oh, no, he coming. turned his lights on. He said, Oop. Flashing. He says, sir, lights, you cannot, lights. Be- <laughs> you cannot <laughs> leave flashing. your car lights, in the middle lights. of the street. I mean, this cop about to be mad. I think, yeah, so what's going to happen with the car, you guys? He's going to be mad. I've never done this. I've never narrated to the listeners what's happening outside. Now people are going around it. All right. Anyway, right. Um, uh, yeah. So th- taking like core classes. Yeah, I've always kind of been like, because even when I went to community college, it was just like I was interested in acting. I was right. not interested in everything else that was kind of thrown in around it, and I've always kind of thought that was weird. Mm-hmm. But that's just my thinking of like the way that basically a school is basically given to you, where it's mm-hmm. like there hits a point where. You're telling me I can't graduate without a certain thing, but I'm never going to use this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, why am I? If right. I'm never going to use it, why am I taking it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's always been kind of my thought. Like, I understand, like, mathematics up to a certain place. I can get it to all the way to, like, algebra, and I get it all, the, you know, things like that. But then it's like, as soon as you start to go with, like, oh, here's some calculus. You're like, well, if I'm not going to do anything that uses this, why sure. am I doing it? Right. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of what my thought process would happen. So, like, I would go to community college, and I would love all the acting classes I was going to. And then everything else, I was like, this feels like a waste. It felt like a waste of time. Which, for some people, isn't. But for me, I just was like, I don't like this. Mm. So I literally did three years of it. Stopped. Worked at Barnes and Noble for a year, and then I went to AMDA. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, and 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 the going to AMDA was a girlfriend looking at me, going, "Listen, you're just gonna have to take the plunge." And I said, "You're right." And I just jumped into it. Because what was your plan gonna be if she didn't? I was say gonna that? take the two. I was gonna try to get the two year degree. Okay. And then I was going to choose where I was going to go. But when I came across AMDA, I was like, "Oh, you're telling me that you have a two year program that doesn't have anything but acting." In I mean, yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this I like. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? 
then we go check it out. And I only found the school like two and a half years in the community college. Yeah. I hadn't actually looked. Um, the and Amda, Amda has classes too. Sorry. Amda has classes about like how to audition. Like yeah. things that you actually need <laughs> that to you're be going to an use. actor. Yeah. Not, you know, calculus Here's your math too. class. Which is fine. Like somewhere, I mean, if, if Vanessa Lynn's wife is listening, she's like, everyone uses math every day. Like that's her big oh, thing. Oh yeah. No, I think she's right. Everyone does use math every day. But maybe not. But not like calculus. Calculus, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm maybe. not using calculus every day. It would have been better if they gave everyone a tax class. Uh-huh. Absolutely a tax <laughs> then class. Then I'd be like, this makes sense. A hundred percent. A tax class in high school would make all the sense in the world. Yes. No one gives anyone a tax class. No. Nope. Why? Nobody. Yep. And they're still or just terrifying. like different kinds of bank accounts yeah. and stuff like yes. that. Yes, it's way more important than everything else. Someone yeah. please explain to me what a four hundred one k is because I still don't know. <laughs> Especially as a freelancer, I am f. Oh man, I have no. Cue the I mean, emails. What you're going to get a lot of long explanatory. I would emails. like yeah, to are. know. Like that's the thing too. Like people don't in schools because every I don't know. It's just such an antiquated thing where it's like you go to college, you get the job, you yeah. do the nine to five thing where there's, uh, uh, what's the word stability and mm. like. I don't have that. My, we've never had nine to five jobs ever no. in our lives. I do know what a 401k is though. I'll explain it to you later. That's where you put money into a savings, right? Like from your from your paycheck. Is that what it is? Yeah. And usually yeah. the company matches it if you work for a, a big yeah. Oh, I didn't know the employer So like for Broadway, it, basically, it's like we pay into our 401k and they have to match what we put into it. I believe it's what it is. And yeah. is that mandatory? You have to do the 401k? Uh, well, you're going to have one regardless. It's just oh. going to, because you're part of equity and you're like the 401k is set up for you right. as soon as your foot hits Broadway. Mm. Amazing. So it's Any like. job I've ever but, had, it, it was always uh, optional. Yeah. But maybe you could probably choose how much you put into you it. You could right? choose, yeah, yeah, we could choose how much we put into it. So yeah. like it, it basically, um, and if you're, and if you're incorporated, you have to do it yourself. Which is like you have to go to a banker and then they all right. invest your money somewhere. Right. Because um, yeah, freelancers and creative people will become like a corporations because yeah. be for those things for taxes and for that all that stuff yeah yeah again yeah. classes that would have been helpful yeah mm-hmm. and even and even with like with um equity and stuff because like you have to actually go to uh a banker to to like actually put your 401k in action be like right. hey put it here or put it there and yeah they'll, they'll put up a plan for you i probably should start the point is it yeah, would have been should. helpful to learn all this stuff in high school exactly, exactly. instead of that's a podcast I mean. about hamilton and that's what i mean like it's, right. that's what i think is odd is that I this I feel like the schooling is outdated to what it did. Yeah, and I'm sure Hamilton would want people to know about their money. Yes, <laughs> if he had a say in it. Yeah, which is speaking of, it's just kind of a weird thing to me. I'm like, why are we not teaching people? Like, I, even in acting schools, I'm like, teach them about because acting ta- an actor's taxes are weird, super mm-hmm. weird. They don't every not, job you've done every. It, it's odd. Abby was telling us when she was over Abby yeah. Aros, as, yeah. as you know, and because uh, it was I think it was, she came over on actual tax day. Mm. I oh, think yeah. and she was talking about how actors when you're on tour mm-hmm. you have to do it for every city every state that yeah, you're in yeah literally we do like I I had oh that's God, crazy I would have had tax returns for like like seven or eight states or something like that it's a weird thing like every state they don't state tell you when you book the gig on tour no, like oh every state is a completely different I mean so like I just gave it I just gave it to an accountant I said like, you do it you I'm have like, to <laughs> Like it's impossible. It's too scary. You it's don't want insane. to mess with the IRS. Like it's in insane. different states, it's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Much, so, terrifying. much like these U-Haul people outside should have done. You yes. just paid a professional. You just, just pay, pay a professional. professional. <laughs> yeah, it is Good not. Lord. Yeah, throw some money at the problem. Let's go. Yeah. So but that, but that's the that's the crazy thing. Like you know, I've always thought that it was kind of odd. I was like, I, I I imagine it used to work better for a reason. Right. Um. When when we needed everyone to actually know all of these things for us to survive. But they're kind of hit a point where I was like, 
not everyone needs all of these anymore. Right. Um, it's like, why not just have a school where you can have the intensive towards the direction you actually want to go? And then you found AMDA and you, it was it was amazing. It was amazing. Right. Oh, I loved it. So you do the two two years, two and a half, two, two years. years, two yeah. years. Yeah. 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 I did straight through. I didn't I didn't take any breaks. So I, it was over in a year and a half. Right. It was four semesters. Yeah. 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 And then you were just off and running, right? I mean, yeah, it was nuts. Um, yeah, I did uh, all four semesters, and then right out of school, I did uh, Aida at art at the Arts Center of Coastal Carolina. That is where uh, Casey Colgan directs, who's a teacher at our school. Oh, cool. Um, and he wanted me to play Maribyrn Aida, and I did. Okay, and it was that was a fun. That was my first equity show. Great. So I got points straight out of school. I was like, boom, <laughs> boom, straight up. I was like, oh, this is fun. Um. And I also got my agents, um, uh, former agents. Got my agents. Yeah. Your hey, first it agents. Happens. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. It happens. But uh, yeah, I signed with the mine right out of uh, school as well. Um, so the journey from that actually kind of continued on kind of crazily because I did, I did Aida, got back from doing Aida, and then Disney Cruise Line came a calling, and that is that was fun. That's a lot of fun. There's eight months of Disney Cruise Line. So yeah. two months in Toronto where they where they rehearse, oh. and then six months straight on the ship. I just got back from Toronto. Oh, you did? Yeah. For my, one of my favorite cities. My Love other podcast, True Crime Obsessed. It was a whirlwind 36 hours, but it, I liked it there. It's beautiful it was. It was really, it was cool. It was very much a city sometimes. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's like a smaller version of New York City. Yeah, 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 I liked yeah. it there. It was great. Yeah. It was nice and it was like chilly and rainy and everyone was wonderful. I was like, everyone's this is so perfect. Nice. <laughs> this like is my the weather. Everyone's people I've nice. ever met in my life. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like the I've, I think everyone in Toronto and everyone in Salt Lake City are the nicest people I've ever met. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah, awesome! Yeah, we're gonna get to your favorite parts of tour with the the Patreon peeps questions. Oh, there's yes. a lot of questions about the tour. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, after Disney Cruise Line, it just kept going. It was like I just did a lot of regional shows. Uh, one thing I did that um, it's possible that uh, people have grown up seeing me as a grasshopper for a moment of my life as I was. I played mm-hmm. Gisbert Grasshopper in the Omis, which is now a cartoon show in Canada. I think called the Moobles. Moobles. It's a it's a uh, yoga uh, like yoga kid show. No way. So Gisbert oh. Grasshopper was like the lunge, and oh. like it was really fun. That's yeah. so yeah, cool. Yeah, we did it at Playwrights Horizons. It was just really fun. It was That's like, really cool. Yeah, it was very fun. And then right after that, I did uh, Dream Girls, which gave me my uh, back at Art Center, Coastal Carolina. They gave me my equity card, and then right after Dream Girls is when I started to like really kind of start flying, um, because then I that's when I did Oklahoma in Seattle at the Fifth Avenue Theater. That one was was nuts, and that was the first time I ever came across uh, uh, what I will call uh, journalism in theater. <laughs> Wait, did you ever heard what, this story what, before? No. What? Okay, so. Uh, and apparently it was a bigger thing in the theater world than I knew it was. Cause even like Frigg was like, Oh yeah, I knew about you. Like everyone like knew about it. It was a, um, uh, so I was playing Judd Fry in Oklahoma, but all the other principals were white and I was black. Uh-huh. So the, it was like one of the first times someone had put a black Judd up against the white curly. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you see poor Judd is dead and the man asking someone <laughs> to hang themselves and it looked a little, uh-huh. so like people yep, saw great. that and they were like, did you change the script? Like they were confused. They thought we had changed Oklahoma and we're like, mm-hmm. nope. That's what Oklahoma is, mm-hmm. and I think because of the fact people that people forget, they forget about Oklahoma. But I think it's, I think, I, I think for the first time in a while, people didn't think it was funny because the song's Ooh. usually funny to them, and then they were like, "That's not funny." No, it's not. And I said, "It wasn't funny in the first place." No, it was, that's <laughs> the thing. Like when I hear that people are laughing, something was just happening on Twitter recently where yeah. people are just like, "Why are you laughing?" I was like, "It's not funny." I was like, "That's not funny." 
I was like, why do people think Port Judd is dead? It's funny. That's not funny. <laughs> and I was like, it's like I think it was for the first time they had to like actually look as Judd as as a person. Right. And then they right. were it, it confused a lot of people. Mm. Um, and that was uh, apparently theater news for a moment there, uh-huh. which is kind of funny to me and uh, I love how Fergie's like oh oh I know about you yeah I was like what <laughs> I was it was so funny it was like weird it was like uh uh people I knew about it that I didn't know knew about it like I would talk to people like agents and re- and they'd be like I was like oh you did Oklahoma I was like yeah where I was like Fifth Avenue Theater I was like was that the production where they like had that little like uproar and I was like yes why do you know that and you were like but I- I'm the guy I was like, like it's that's me. me and they're like oh wow how was that and they would like talk to me about it and I was like what wow I, was, I didn't know it was a thing I apparently it was a thing um but uh, yeah like even when you see reviews of it like I've looked at him uh, a couple of months ago and I was just like just to look back on life and I was like yeah like it was a thing like they were all like wow is it us like because it was like really it's Seattle's a really liberal city right so for them some of the reviewers were like now is it the show or is it us? Is it that we are now, we've hit a point where we've not like started taking Oklahoma seriously. And I was just like, whoa, shit. This yeah, it started a, a lot a conversation. of conversation. It did, it yeah. did. It was really cool. We had like talkbacks after the show about cool. it. Cool. Like, um, How was that for you to have a talkback in It was in that? fine. I mean, I I think I was kind of prepared for the moment because I, I kind of went into theater to like have conversations, like to, sure, for things right. to be to be brought to light and for people to talk about them and for it to be like something that can be changing. So like for people to want to actually come to a talk back and talk to us about it and make sure like the script wasn't changed. Am I just feeling something differently because uh-huh. the way that Peter directed it and casted it? And I was like, yeah, that's yeah. basically what's happened. If there are listeners who don't understand what we're talking about, Oklahoma, can you sort of explain why this was a thing? So the musical Oklahoma has a part in the show where Judd Fry, uh, I believe it's right at... Nope, it's before he sings Lonely Room. So Curly goes over to his shed and basically asks him to hang himself just so he can go to a dance with Lori, which is an odd thing to say. When you actually say it out loud, it sounds insane. Mm-hmm. But um, in most productions of Oklahoma, Curly and Judd are white. And most people, when that happens, I think they can take it as a joke because Judd is supposed to be like the dirty, grimy kind of guy. And most people have taken Oklahoma a little more jokey than they normally do. Also, uh, Lonely Room was cut out of the movie that they had made of Oklahoma. It's not in there. So right, which there's is the no thing that made everyone like, sympathize. love yeah. Oklahoma because they didn't know Yeah, about so it. Like, it gives you a chance to sympathize with the character. So... Um, when we did the production in in Seattle, uh, Lonely Room is was in it, of course, and I sang it after that. But also, um, Judd, is, you know, I am black as Judd and Eric Ankrum, awesome actor and director and writer. He's so awesome. I love that guy. <laughs> uh, but he was playing Curly, and that color combination for people when they saw it made them actually feel bad about Judd about him asking Judd to hang himself, which. To me, it's exactly what should happen. There should be something of that nature to it. I don't know why people thought they should be okay with that. It's odd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's oddly enough. But right. but yeah, I mean, it's it's something that made people really like see that moment for what it was um, after, I think, a long time of, of not having right. to. Uh, and, and, and people had some feelings about it. Sure. A lot of feelings. Um, like, and it was funny because... It was my first time also seeing what happens when like 
uh rumor gets out of hand you know what i mean mm. so like it would be like oh oh they thought the script was changed so then you might talk to someone in the city and they're like yeah i heard they changed the script i was like nope script's not different and then you're like they're like oh yeah they're like added something i was like nope we didn't add anything same oklahoma like it's really weird like you see yeah. what happens when like someone hears something and it just all of a sudden became this whole uh thing that people didn't weren't really in the know-how of they were just getting second-hand information of it and then all of a sudden it became this thing and then people right. come watch it and they're like what and i was like this is the same show it's the same thing <laughs> this is what rogers enough. and hammerstein wrote <laughs> they wrote it this way <laughs> i was like i don't know why anyone yeah. thinks it's this been is performed different. in high schools all over all the country over the for country. a zillion years and then people like just seem to just skirt over the hole he's tr- asking him to hang himself just so he can go to a dance with a girl like yeah. it's i i and i've always looked at oklahoma and been like, no, like neither of these two are good people. Like right. Judd and Curly technically are both not good people. <laughs> right. At the end of the day, it's like it's a it's a weird kind of uh, thing where it's like you want to think of him as a hero, but I'm like I don't. He's asking someone to hang himself so he can go to a dance with someone. Yeah, like how That's many times? There's it's kind no of a deal breaker. <laughs> it's kind of weird. If you're assessing someone's character, right? Yeah, there, and there's no you can't get around. That's a fact. That's what it is. It's you just can't what say it, it is. Is you, you can't say it any other way. It's yeah. like it's literally what he does. So it's uh, I I just think of it as complicated, which is sure. you know probably how Rogers and Hampson looked at it. It's complicated, right? It's a really complicated story. Um, so so yeah, that's basically what happened. Got it. Um. Then you head to the West End. Yeah. Right? Oh, boy. Nominated for an Olivier. Oh. What's that all about? Tell the people that story. So this is the funny thing about that is that I had no idea we could be nominated for Olivier. Well, you were in the Scottsboro Scots Boys, right? Boys. Yeah. I had not a clue. Did Why? not know. Because it was off West End. Oh. So mm. apparently in the West End, it's off West End and West End are all included in the Olivier Awards. Interesting. And here on Broadway, of course, it's just what's on Broadway. What a fun way to learn that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, after coming back, I was like, oh man, imagine if we'd put off Broadway together as well. Yeah. Look. Stiff competition. I know. Because mm-hmm. a lot of off Broadway shows are really good. It's true. But they also, but so it was like the show ran from, uh, I think it was September. September or October to, to the end of December, basically. It was just like two months, two and a half months. I was there for three. Um, yeah, that was nuts. Going to London uh, for the first time. It was my first time truly going outside of the country and like living somewhere else. Um, loved it. One of my favorite places ever. I love London. Um, and it was great because I got to do it with uh, Coleman and Forrest, with the two, mm-hmm. two originals in the cast. And that was my first time experiencing a an all-black cast other than the interlocutor, who's the only white member of the cast. But it was mm-hmm. my first time, like, really... Like, I've been in the all-black cast of Dreamgirls, but it was, like, my first time really having to, like, not only be in an all-black cast, but we were talking about something really serious mm-hmm. for people that are black or African-American or African or anything, uh, any minority, really, in America. Um, and it was an odd thing, because... This is also something I did not find out until I was there that they don't give standing ovations in London. London, oh. it's not a thing they They're do. Very rare. They're very rare. Not a thing they do. Um, like I saw Doll's House when I was there, the one that went to uh, BAM a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. It was the same version. I stood up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody. Else. I, was like, I was like, yeah. Wow. Ooh, yeah. I'm standing and you're all just sitting. Yeah. This is weird for me. <laughs> like, you know, I really love it. And you're 6'5. I mean, yeah, I just like, the sight of that, just you among all It was these. just like, that guy. Yeah. Um, 
And it was nuts because we got a standing ovation every night. What? So, like, it was a really weird, like, oh, like, that's you guys incredible. aren't just telling me you like this. You're telling me you love this show. Yeah. That's and, amazing. And Congratulations. Then, that's crazy. It was nuts. And, like, people started rolling through. Like, Eddie Redmayne came at one point. Um... And we were supposed to meet him, but then people started bothering him before we could get out there, and we didn't get a chance to meet him. So, Eddie, if you ever hear this, thanks for coming to Scottsboro Boys. Yes. Um, that's also how Cameron McIntosh saw me. Well, that's the story. Yeah, it is the story. That is how right. Cameron McIntosh saw me. And also, um, real quick, you two have that in common. Mm. Cameron, McIntosh. Cameron McIntosh came to my high school when we did the we workshopped the high school version of Les Mis. Oh my God! And he said some very nice things to me. So when I when I ever see your audition for him again, I will. Uh, I have the perfect icebreaker. <laughs> That's great. Because you guys were the first high school to ever do it. That's why he came. Oh, yeah. it was a That's big deal. Cool. It was real. Like he didn't know if he was going to release it to high schools. So oh my God! And who'd you play? You guys changed their minds. Played Ternadier. There you go. Nice. Yeah. That is so cool. I just got my braces off, so they were able to black out my teeth. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have been very complicated. Oh, man. That means like all the high schools in America have, you're, you're partly to thank for yes, everything that's being right. able to be done in high schools, which is really cool. It's tough to justify lovely ladies if you're doing Les Mis. And I know. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. There's a yeah. lot. Some dark shit. There's some dark shit. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, so, so and also that, the combination of the way that happened too was odd. It's because uh, we did the show. He came to see it. I, th- I think he came on opening. I'm not sure if it was opening, oh, but wow. I think it was opening. So before he knew the the nightly standing ovation. Yeah, yeah. I think he just saw it, like heard about the previews and heard it was really good and cool. wanted to come see it. And he came and saw it. And like you know, and, and I think this is kind of the thing that's also kind of nuts is that because you don't know that you can be nominated for anything, you kind of just like. You just kind of just go for it how you normally would. Yeah. It, ch- it changes a little bit when you get here because you have to like, you're like, oh shit, like things are happening around mm-hmm. me. But like, because it was just a kind of a normal thing, I was like, yeah, I'm just doing a show in London. This is fun. Um, it was really nuts how it happened. So he comes to see the show. I get a call, uh, not a call, but an email from my agents because I'm in London. Phone doesn't work. So <laughs> they have a co- completely different cell service. So it's like your phone actually literally does not work there. You have to get a different phone. Right. Because when Carl Queensborough was here, mm. he was stuck in customs forever. Like he was yeah. late to his recording. It's no shade. It's just, I'm sorry. Like our, our airport suck. Like yeah, airport suck. Forever. Yeah. But he had to go to his hotel and he had to DM me because he's like, I don't have a phone. So no I have service. to go figure that out. I was like, go figure it out. It is but so it, weird. It, it doesn't like, occur to you really. No, it didn't occur first, to me at all. You know? Like you get there and you're like, wait, I'm sorry, I have to do what? They're like yeah. you have to get a completely new phone with a completely different SIM card and like, you know, put money on it unless you want to like get an actual phone through one of these companies in London. And you're like, so Verizon doesn't work here is what yeah, you're telling so me? They're like, uh, no. Okay. Even if you try to turn it on, it just nothing. Blank. Wow. No bars wow it's just like oh that's cool i'm a man on the moon but verizon doesn't work in london (laughs) exactly so so uh yeah he i get an email from them they're like oh yeah they want to see you for les mis and i was like oh okay cool so i'm like all right like just kind of like i'd audition for broadway before there's no like Mm -hmm. you know i'm not really thinking about it i'm just like this is cool i'm just gonna work on it so he'd seen Cameron mcintosh saw you he saw me in the show got it he tells me later what happened so it's really funny so like he sees me in the show kind of like off he goes since they he finds out who i am since being the audition um so i i first i go and meet up with um i meet up with lawrence the director and the music director and i and uh 
basically we kind of go through the music and stuff and he's like okay cool um well I, well i'm not even at the audition yet it's just like I, there's a music session beforehand that like oh, some wow. building that Cameron happens to own in London. Like we're in the basement. <laughs> That's and, the most Cameron like, Macintosh that he just exactly he just to owns own the it. He just happens to own it. Let's just sing and, it. Um, and the director is like just kind of you know he Lawrence is there and and um, I believe Stephen was there too. And so we're just going through the music. He goes great, cool. So we'll see you this day at this time. Great. All right, cool. It says Queen's Theater, and I'm like, okay, cool, great. La, 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 la. <laughs> like, just go back, and they're like, how did everything go? I was like, cool. It was like, you know, I went over the music stuff, and he said, no, I have to go and do the audition here after I do this. And it's like, cool, great. So I show up to the Queen's Theater. I believe that's the name of the, the theater that Les Mis is in, right? It's Queen's Theater, I believe. I think they moved now, but I believe that's correct. Mm-hmm. So I show up there, and I'm like, you know, it's outside, giant Les Mis poster and the banners. And you're like, right, like oh. The, the West End Theater that The Les actual Mis theater is it's in. in. Right. And you're like, oh, this is amazing. This is really cool. I go in and I'm just like, la, la, la. I start going down these steps. They're like, yeah, it's down in the basement. Okay, cool. I go down in the basement. I go to a holding room. Uh, I And I'm like, okay, just hanging out, waiting. And they're like, all right, cool. They're ready for you now. I was like, cool. Walk out. I'm expecting to walk into like an audition room. Like, there's a, you have a room in here, apparently. Mm-hmm. Nope. I walk out onto the stage of the Queen's <laughs> Theater, and I literally, they're all sitting out there. It's like Claude, Michelle, Alain, um, uh, Cameron, Lawrence. And like, I walk out onto the stage, and I literally like, stand there on the stage, and I'm like, can you give me a second? And I'm like, um, is that the barricade? <laughs> that's literally what I did. I went, can you give me a second for a second? And I just turned around and went, Ooh, that's so awesome. Like, I just looked at it. And I looked oh at the floor God. and I was like, this is the original turntable. Like, what? all of it was just like, I was just standing here. Wow. Looking around myself like, this is so weird. And it reminded me of like stories that my teachers told me where people used to actually audition on the stage. Because they said it doesn't happen anymore. People right. use buildings. Yeah, yeah. You know, they use like, you know, Studios. audition rooms and yeah. studios. Yeah. And, and, you know, all that. So it was weird to me. I was like, why am I standing on the stage? It was so nuts. And I was just like, okay, cool. I was like, great. I just wanted to take that in, guys. I, I never, this is amazing that I'm standing here. No, like, cool. Like, you know, they like laughed about it. That was funny. So then I was like, cool, let's do it. So I do the audition. Um, Claude Michel comes up. He gives me a couple of notes. And I'm like, this is so weird. Like, you're standing right next to me. Claude Michel Schoenberg. <laughs> like, just like, just like, I'm screaming in my head, but I'm just like taking it easy. And I finished the audition. And it was weird because I, there was so much adrenaline happening that I, didn't start to realize that Cameron was kind of pitching the show to me by the end. It was kind of odd. Like I was, I'd finished everything, and then he started talking to me about it. And he goes, "Hey, you know, we're doing the show. We're doing it on Broadway. It's starting in March, and like you know, rehearsal start in January. It's like you know, it's a great opportunity." And I'm like, kind of standing there looking at him, like. Why does it sound like you're pitching? Are you pitching right. my miss to me right now? Like, it was so weird. We have reason to believe this show has some legs on it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it was just like, okay. And like, you know, I finish. I go back to the theater. Um, and I'm about to like do the show for that night. And people know I auditioned for it. So like some of the cast members are talking to me about it. And I was like, you know, it went really well. It started to feel like he was pitching the show to me at the end. Which is a good sign. But also, you don't have to pitch Lay Miz to me. It's right. Lay Miz. Lay like, Miz. I'm going to tell right. you, yes. Now, this is the thing that got nuts. So I get the I get the part of Angeros. They My agents call me and they go, hey, so they want you to do it. And I'm like, yeah, wait. <laughs> like, and this is so weird to say, but I had a pause moment because I didn't know if Scottsboro Boys was going to continue on. And that's where I paused because I was like, oh, oh, I have to make a decision. 
and it was like a weird thing where I like I didn't I didn't even think of that because because our producer was trying to continue it on through the West End. Okay. So she wanted to go from off West End to West End, and she wanted me to stay with it, but she also didn't know when it was going to happen. Uh-huh. So I was just like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. And then so like I literally took a couple of days. I said, like, let me think about it. They must have thought I was insane, my agents, because they were like, you want to think about it? Mm-hmm. You want to yeah, think Les about Miz Les Mis on Broadway? On Broadway? Yeah, I mean, and I was like, I do. Yeah, for the kid who was like, I don't know if I want to do this acting exactly. thing. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like listeners at home, it doesn't always happen. Does not like happen this way. This is this a quickly. very specific story. Yes. This does not happen this Just way. Just so you know. So because it, it was so odd and it was because I I became so attached to that story right and and the journey of that story that i that i didn't i didn't want to feel like i was betraying anybody no i think that makes total it. sense that is, you know yeah, and it was a, and the valid. show itself was ending but could have gone to the west end and then we could have kept going i really it was my first time being in london and i really enjoyed being there and it was just kind of this thing where i was like you know i i found something i really i really love doing this do i need to go do this right now um and of course, uh, the more people I asked about it, the more they looked at me and I said, the fuck is wrong with you? Right. Take Les Mis. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, people kept looking at me like, God, why are you even thinking about this? Yeah. So I, was like, I was like, I just, I'm thorough. I'm a thorough thinker. Yeah. Um, well, you, you handled it with a lot of care, both Scott's, but you know, it, yeah. was, it was important to you. Uh, what you it, weren't it, gonna... it was, you know, and, and, and like Catherine, our producer, like I even talked to her about it and I was just like, what do you think? What do you think is happening with the show? Do you, is like, she's like, you know, I can't give you any guarantees. So like, she's like i'm not gonna be mad if you take it mm-hmm. and i said okay so like it just came down to me and being like this is a great vehicle to start of broadway course. um and crazily enough they actually did end up going to the west end but it was in october so it ended up being like nine months after wow. we were talking about it mm. so i actually did make the right choice uh, absolutely I wouldn't yeah. have had anything to do for nine months totally um so then then you're like oh here you are <laughs> you go from scouts for boys and like we're in the middle of rehearsal when i get nominated for the olivier too like it's it's not you something guys, again I'm, this never happens <laughs> not something i'm really even putting together like we're it's february and we're in tech and all of a sudden it's just like yeah you've been nominated for an olivier award and i'm like it's i'm amazing. sorry what it's amazing i'm been what it was so nuts and like they let me off during like a, a preview to go like the, you have to go yeah. so like and cameron I mean, was like you know i'll vote for you and i was like oh god stop it <gasps> i was like i love you man but your life is ridiculous it was and you're like oh cameron oh you oh you <laughs> i saw that <laughs> like, like, like i turn Kyle. away and i'm just like <sighs> yeah. it's just like so nuts and it was just like I, it was so weird now the thing about awards shows though is that it, there hits a point where you you have to not care if you're going to win or lose and that now this is coming from someone who spent a lot of their life watching people win awards on youtube for like funsies mm-hmm. like uh, so you would like youtube like oh acceptance speeches and stuff? i've watched people's i've watched so many acceptance speeches on youtube and not even because not because I wanted an award, but because that moment to me is so beautiful mm. when someone actually gets handed something and being like, your art is um, validated. Sure. They validate your art with that. You do know you have what a I mean? favorite acceptance speech? Oh my God. Do I have a favorite? Oh, I don't know. Or is there someone that you would, that you found yourself YouTubing more than others? I've watched a good amount of Denzel's because I, I love the man. He's just so good. Um, uh, Sydney Poitier speeches. Uh, oh my God, I forget. I'm I'm blanking on the name. 
playing on names. Of course, I was always pulling for Leonardo DiCaprio, so that's always like a happy moment. I don't do it as much anymore. But yeah. That's that's but that's that's because they hit a point where I realized I was thinking about it too much. You know what I mean? Mm, you think right. about you think about statues too much, and like this isn't about statues. And the, it, it's weird because when you actually, I, I think I spent a lot of my life searching for validation of art. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like to be validated, and the only way you can validate something is to validate it yourself really um and i think what ends up happening is sometimes we as artists you know we see the outside of it and we see like how beautiful it is and then you get inside of it and you're like oh this is more insane than i ever thought it was i don't need you to validate me it's fine great Hmm. Mm -hmm. you know like it's like the if people actually had to go and do the tony awards or do the olivier's i think they'd have a different mindset of what it actually is right so what was your mindset after being nominated for the Olivier, like where were you on that I, scale? I was. I've always like thought about upward mobility, so I'm always like forward, forward, forward. Everything has to be going forward, and if mm. I take do anything that's sideways, it kind of freaks me out. I always want things to be going forward. So at that point, I'm like, well, I've just finished like the most important musical to me ever. I'm now in one of the most important musicals in the musical canon on Broadway, and like my head, I'm going. This award could be a way of validating what I've been doing. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. someone gives you a statue and you're like, well, it was all for something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's weird to say that, but it, that's kind of how it feels. So it's one of those things where like, I feel like we're searching for a lot of validation as actors. Right. And you hit a point where you either are going to be a slave to the validation or you're going to realize that it doesn't matter. It's either could be one of two things. Um, and for me, that actually took a couple of years to get through my head. Because um, even the journey of Les Mis was nuts. Because uh, I got into the show, and then I had a... Uh, I, I would randomly lose my voice for no reason. And it was starting... It would just randomly happen. So then when you're, when you're aiming like this high... Because you're looking for validation and all of a sudden things are starting to fall apart inside of you. You start to do like this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So basically what ended up happening was like, you know, I was going from doctor to doctor to doctor. And they're like, uh, one doctor was like, I think it's acid reflux. And then another doctor was like, um, I'm not really sure if I see anything structurally that's wrong with your cords. And then you go to another doctor. And this is like one of those things where I'm like, these are the parts of Broadway no one explains. You know, so you, there's like, no one explains like, oh, you might lose your voice randomly or there might be something wrong with your instrument and people might not be able to figure it out and now all of a sudden it's your first Broadway show and you feel like you're failing. Don't worry, friends. We get right back into this next week in Kyle's second episode. I promise it has a happy ending, but Kyle's right. It's not something that's openly discussed, and it definitely should be. And check out the Abby Aros episodes if you want to hear her experience. Those are Eps 175 and 176. Coming up next week, we're talking about Kyle's experience being in the original Broadway cast of the 2015 production of The Color Purple. And yes, of course, we get into the Hamilton of it all, to quote Mike Moyes. Which means we're getting into the notorious rowdiness of the Philip Company and how that had to translate, or not translate, to the Broadway stage. So yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. But for now, that's it for me. Thank you, as always, so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. I love you. I'm G.Pen.
Chillcast is brought to you by my love of the thing, TM, and my complete lack of chill. Please join me in raising all the glasses to Sir Alex Lacamoire for generously making my intro music and this custom Yorktown arrangement that I will never, ever get over. Thank you, thank you, thank you. To become a Patreon peep and get the chance to ask questions to guests, get tons of behind-the-scenes access, and join the best, kindest, and most welcoming corner of the internet, go to patreon.com slash thehamilcast. I love you guys. Thank you. Hashtag Team No Chill. I'm at The Hamilcast on all social media, and you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. The Residuals is my web series with my husband, Mike, you know Mike, and can be found at theresiduals.tv. True Crime Obsessed is my true crime comedy podcast with my podcast soulmate and Broadway royalty, Patrick Hines of Theater People and Broadway Backstory fame. Thank you again so much for listening. It means the world to me. The revolution!